We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rotowire Monday Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we are summing up Week 7, a disastrous Week 7 for both Chris and I. Uh... Not in personal terms. Chris had a wonderful weekend. Uh, family went away, so he had a party at Ber- weekend at Bernie's. Uh, but no, no, no. First of all, uh, f- first of all, weekend at Bernie's is not a fun party. If you no, it's not. Gets. But it, it was is an attempt at <laughs> Second, one. Secondly, uh, my family is going away now. They were not. They were here this weekend. To, okay, they just left uh, today. I got gotcha. you earlier today. I drove them out with my reaction to week seven. Ah. Yeah, well, okay, let's talk about why it was such a disaster. It's pretty obvious. I mean, OBJ, first of all, out for the season, torn ACL, didn't have the decency to have a good game before he got hurt. No. You know, first offensive play of the game, tried to make a tackle on an interception. Uh, That's about the worst possible way. That's really what it is, is that he wasn't even making a catch. It was just so gratuitous and stupid. Just just pull an A.J. Green, stay out of the way. Uh, So... That was really, really bad. And then, uh, yeah, that Ronald Jones basically looking like the turning the corner to be a reliable every week back and then drops a pass. Fournette comes in and plays great. That was horrible. Debo Samuel, who I waited four or five weeks for, uh, hurts his hamstring during a blowout. That was horrible. I picked up Jeff Wilson, genius that I am. But but I didn't start him because I didn't know that McKinnon was getting a day of rest because nobody knew that. And I actually did start McKinnon in another league, started Latavius Murray over Jeff Wilson. Then I was like, well, you know, I didn't start him, but at least like going forward, this could be really valuable. 
hurts himself out probably a few weeks at least. So that's that was worthless. Uh, my uh, I had Denver uh, plus nine and a half as my best bet. They're down 10-6. They're sacking Mahomes. They're moving the ball. And I'm going against the Chiefs defense in a high-stakes league. Pick six. Okay, fine. Denver gets the ball, drives down, kicks a field goal, 17-9, kickoff, return touchdown. That's it. That's it for my Melvin Gordon share. I started Gordon over James Robinson foolishly. Then Gordon's game flow got destroyed. Then he decided to do a uh, flea flicker flip over Drew Locke's head. That just made it worse. I could go on and on. I mean, there, there are so many things that happened, and it was just like one after another after another. And I'm watching in disbelief just thinking – you know, what is my purpose on planet earth? Like, why am I watching this? What, what is the point of doing this? And, uh, by the end I was, I was in a pretty sour mood to the point where I just kind of checked out, talked to Heather for a bit, went to sleep. And when I woke up this morning to take the dog out, at first I was like, yeah, I'm a little tired, but I feel all right. And then it all came like roaring back, like (laughs) like a bad, a bad night of drinking where you, you know, started to curse out somebody and there was some, you know, you, uh, you hit on the wrong person. It was in my single days. Um, and you know, it was a total disaster and that, that's what it felt like. It came rushing back all the misery and horrors of the night before. Oh yeah. And I'll tell you what I, you know, similar experiences. So my prime time team, really good team was heretofore a really good team. And now it's in shambles. Yeah. Mixon hurt. Miles Gaskin on by. Okay, normally, hey, great. I made a great pickup. I'll have him as a bye week fill-in, so it shouldn't hurt that much. No, I needed him. This was my bye week fill-in. I yeah. needed him this week. Uh, no, uh, Josh Jacobs, terrible matchup. Rojo drops a pass, then Fournette takes over. OBJ, CD Lamb, one catch. Oh. And then DK Metcalf in the nightcap. I'm like, or at least I'll have Russell and DK Metcalf. I'll get 130 and get out of here. You know, I'll be all right. No, no. I got two catches. I had a touchdown called off. You know, it was just ludicrous. It's just everything went wrong. You know, Mark Andrews was on by. So, okay, I, at least I had Hawkinson. That was my one good player. You know, what, I Russell Wilson fells for Mark Andrews in two leagues. He got me zero. And then I'll, I'll one up you on Metcalf, who I needed also. Not only did he do nothing, and the TD got called back. The one great play he made was on Buda Baker, who had an easy pick six, but Buda Baker was jogging because he didn't think some, you know, as you said, Usain Bolt type guy is going to run out of nowhere and get him. And that was an ex- a six points desperately needed in the stake league. I was starting Buda Baker in an IDP league. So not only did DK Metcalf not produce for my NFFC team where I desperately needed him to, he actually interfered with another league. He personally intervened yep. and cost me six points in another league while doing nothing for me in the league that I used him. And he's like, if they're not going to throw it to me, nobody's scoring. Screw that. No. Yeah. I have, uh, I've got a, a different league, a super flex league with both Kyler Murray and, uh, Wilson, which I, you know, I'm not complaining cause they've been very good to me, but that sequence of Wilson getting, you know, Wilson getting picked off and then Arizona not being able to convert into points at the other end where Murray was actually losing yards. It's like, ah, ridiculous yeah you're probably all right with those two guys in a super flex it's almost like you'd have to have botched the rest of your team so entirely you know that like murray and wilson wilson's played i think six games murray's played seven they're both like top three all time in qb scoring over those spans i know it's ludicrous all time it's ludicrous like in the history of football and i think 
I don't know if it was Scott Barrett. Somebody posted this on Twitter. I can't remember who. I like to give him credit. Maybe it's Tristan Cockroft. There's somebody who like compiles stats like that. And he said something like the, the number of quarterbacks that have had, you know, whatever, 40 or 50, whatever the number is, whatever the threshold is, point weeks from like 1989 to 2009 is like the same amount as they've had so far this year or something crazy. Wow. That's amazing. It is amazing. Uh, so there's a lot of other stuff going on. Uh, you know, you know, we mentioned that. Let's just talk Cowboys for a second. They're a disaster. This was this beautiful offense. Yeah, it had some problems, but Dak helped it overcome. And now it's completely off the rails. It went from a top five, top three offense. One of the best. Dak had the hottest start of all time, you know, to now it's ruined everybody. You know, you know, the Amari Cooper might not be ruined. Zeke isn't ruined, but he's definitely lessened. But C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, you can't use them. I don't know what I'm going to do going forward, especially now that I lost OBJ. I think I still have to just cross my fingers and hope. Yeah, you're going to use. I mean, I would use C.D. Lamb probably depends, but it's it's all very downgraded. And, uh, you know, Dalton's out probably for a week or two also. So, I mean. I forget the name of the guy who took over, like a rookie seventh rounder. But ben DiNucci. Ben DiNucci. Uh, who knows? He never, you know, Romo was undrafted. But the offensive line, you know, we were talking about this on the XM show, but people say, oh, running backs don't matter, and you get into all that BS about, you know, it's just stupid. But, I mean, I, I could argue that quarterbacks don't matter, and that seems ridiculous. You're like, quarterbacks, that's all that matters. That's the most important position. But if you look at it, like the quarterback is – Unless it's a transcendent quarterback, which there's only a handful, he's as good as his offensive line. Look at Baker Mayfield, how well he played against the Bengals. Baker Mayfield, in my opinion, is not a very good quarterback. But when he had time to throw and he had uh, a quarterback to pick on, or maybe more than one, uh, he was just able to go 22 for 23 after his cold start, and the, and the one miss was a spike, and five touchdowns it, to, to a bunch of scrub receivers. You know, No Hooper, no Beckham. And he lit it up. And I just think like when you have any, you know, comp reasonably competent NFL quarterback and Mayfield's probably the floor of that. Uh, and he's got great protection. He's going to do well. And so the, the, but the, the converse is also true that if you have any non transcendent quarterback and maybe Dak is even better than we realize, and they're behind a terrible offensive line, uh, it, they're not going to do anything and it doesn't really matter. So in that sense, the quarterback, doesn't really matter except at the extremes, the extremely great quarterback who's going to do it no matter what, the extremely bad quarterback who can't do it no matter what. And then the extreme offensive lines where the offensive line is so good or so bad, but like pretty much the quarterback is just dependent. So dependent on having time to throw. And what do the best defenses do? They get to the quarterback. What they basically do is they create the condition that makes it impossible for the quarterback to do what he's practiced And on the show. I was talking about tennis and you're more of a tennis player than me, Jeff, but I played a little tennis. Mm-hmm. And if you ever take a tennis lesson, they hit it right to you and you step into it and you, you, you know, you're hitting line drives perfectly over the net. But then if you get in a real match and someone's, you know, lobs it deep and you're like at your backhand and the, the ball's bouncing over your head, it's not easy to hit a good stroke. And so, you know, that's the difference between a good tennis player. Right? Anybody can swing at an easy ball, but you know, what do you do when it's not set up for you? And I, I feel like the best defenses put quarterbacks in a position where, they're swinging at a really difficult ball all the time, and most of them can't do it. But you put any quarterback in an easy situation, they're going to look really good. And so the, these offensive lines in Dallas and Cincinnati, Giants, Jets, um, 
there's no there's no fixing the QB problem until that's fixed. I think you're probably right about that. Uh, and also, uh, you know, there's when you don't have a good pass rush, it really exposes your DBs a lot too. Seattle didn't touch Kyler Murray in one single dropback. Cincinnati couldn't get to Mayfield. The last two weeks for the Bengals, Philip Rivers and Baker Mayfield have torn them apart, like picked them to shreds. I, you know, that's your sign right there. Right. Uh, that's right. So Ryan Tannehill, have yourself a day next week. Yeah, oh, he's going to go crazy, and and or you know Henry may just bludgeon them instead. But either way, it's going to be a good a good choice for them. But it's true, and Rivers and Mayfield look like Pro Bowlers. It's you know it's probably not Rivers and Mayfield. It's probably right. the the defense, and it's so obvious what I'm saying. But people think, oh, this quarterback is so great. Oh, he sucks this year. He's great this year. Matt Ryan sucks last year. He's good again. He's bad again. Like, dude. Just, these quarter, I mean, I'm not saying all quarterbacks are exactly the same, but pretty much a competent NFL quarterback will carve you up. Look at Kirk cousins. When he has time to throw, will carve your ass up if he's got time to throw. And you know, that's just, that's the whole game. And why do they, why do we, why do teams invest so much in left tackles and edge rushers? Why are those routinely after the quarterback, the highest paid and highest picked players? Because right. those guys create the quarterback or destroy the quarterback. That's the, that's their jobs. It is. And uh, there's a thread going around Twitter talking about Aaron Donald and whether he can handle the run and what the splits are. It's like his job is to create havoc. That's what he does. They And they take him out sometimes because, like, you know, it's a rotation like everybody else. He could play the run, but that's not what they want him to do. That's not what he is not a run stuffing defensive tackle. He is a guy that's supposed to create havoc and just blow things up. Yeah, if you get the rush from the middle, uh, it's really tough because most quarterbacks, pocket passers, step forward, right? I mean, you see Brady or Breeze or all the, all the great pocket passers, the rush comes from the edge and you step up in the pocket. They create, that's what the pocket is. It's like a, mm-hmm. a boundary to protect the quarterback. You step up and step into the throw. And again, it's like hitting a test ball. If you, if you, if you have it so that you can step in and use your proper motion, not back foot bailing out, you know, but really step through the throw, uh, you're probably going to be accurate. You've done it a million times, but if you get the push from the middle, good luck. There is nowhere right. to go. You step in, you get crushed. So, like, you know, if you're Pat Mahomes or Russell Wilson, you can escape maybe, but that's why the, that that push from up the middle is so devastating. Yeah. Speaking of that, you know, did you notice, like, all of a sudden, overtime, Wilson had no time to throw. You know, right. all of a sudden, Arizona figured out, oh, we know how we can blitz them and confuse them on our blitzes, where they couldn't do that all game prior to that. It was weird. The game, it was Seattle. Every game with the Seahawks is so weird, but this yep. was the weirdest game I've ever seen. One of the weirdest games of all time. Like overtime, went, there were so many like shifts in overtime. Usually, overtime's like one drive and it's over, or there's one drive and then a field goal and it's over, or there's a couple drives and the teams both suck and it's a tie or something. It's never like one team's almost certainly going to win, and then all of a sudden the tables turn, and then it was like the most bizarre back and forth. The, the Cardinals had four minutes left; they were down ten. And they're running the ball. Yeah. And they're, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what? I, I was like talking to the, to the screen this morning because I watched it on the rewind. I was like, what are you doing? Like, go. What are you even thinking? I, I did not understand it. And they got that roughing the passer or something. They, they kicked the field goal and they got that. I didn't even see if it was legit or not, but that got them. They were going to kick the field goal. and that would have They did the kick the spread. field goal. It yeah. was good. And they yeah. took points off the board. Um, right. it was, I mean, that was a huge play. Uh, right. it, so this roughing just, the passer thing puts me in line for the cover again. They get the touchdown. Then Seattle gets the ball on, on third and two. They hand it to Carlos Hyde. 
Then they punt, right? And they, they get the, they give uh, Arizona the ball back rather than just trying to get Russell Wilson put in his hands and let him get a first down. And then it's just, the whole thing was so crazy that over time they ice their own kicker who makes it, he misses it. Seattle's got the Metcalf touchdown. That's called back. Russ throws a ridiculous interception. They get back and they score again. And even, even like even the last play in overtime before the field goal, they lost like five or six yards. Do you remember that? They tried to run it and they lost a bunch of yards. Yep. Yep. Wild game. You know, Seattle and Arizona in particular against each other play weird games. Remember there's like that low scoring overtime game. It was like 12 to nine or nine to six or something like that. It was so bad. It was art. Uh, it, it was one of those. Uh, Vaguely remember it. I think I've deleted it from my, and Pete Carroll is such a, he's such a like good and bad coach at the same time. Yep. That's why he's in all these weird games. Like he's not a coward. He's willing to take chances. Um, they finally let, you know, the let Russ cook thing is obviously good. And, you know, some of the play design and the offense is good, but then like the clock stuff, he's always wrong about, he's always punting like foolishly. Yeah. He's such a weird coach. Like it's like, he's, he's like in a dimension. that's like, it's not like he's in the Belichick Harbaugh, Andy Reed level, but he's like in this, his own dimension where he's good, but he does strange stuff. And that's why the games are weird in part. Cause they don't close them out when they should close them out. I mean, Seahawks should have won that game and they just couldn't close it out. Right. I, I think they, and I know like the interception uh, he threw in the end zone was targeted to Metcalf, but it was kind of like an attempt at a throwaway and he just missed it. Um, but they didn't, they just gave up on throwing to Metcalf because of Patrick Peterson. I, I, it was almost like they, they gave him too much credit. I know everything was working with Lockett so much early right. on. I think that was it. But I think in the second half, they went away from what works. And yeah, they went into a shell a little bit. They didn't, they weren't as aggressive. They weren't, you know, once the Cardinals were down, you know, I, I think when you're up 10 and you have offenses like that and defenses like that also go up 17. I mean, right. you don't want to use clock and punt. I mean, it's the Belichick like, way. Yeah. Just, just best defense is a good offense. Just keep the ball, keep scoring and don't take it for granted. And that, that is true. And I agree with you. I mean, I think Metcalf's unstoppable. Russ throws those rainbow, bombs and who's going to interfere with him. Uh, but yeah, early in the game was just Lockett was so was going so insane. It was open every play. Yeah. It's like game of Thrones. When you have a guy down, finish him. Don't yeah. do anything, anything for style points. Don't do anything. Oh just, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, the mountain spoiler yes. alert. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not too soon anymore. Is it? No, 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 it's not. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Seahawks, Chris Carson has a midfoot sprain. Uh, just MRI just came back. Seems like he'll miss some time. Although we thought he'd miss time after that Cowboys hit on him, too. You know, I guess that should have been our sign, though, too. That Cowboys game was as close as it was. And the Cowboys are just awful. And, you know, maybe that Seattle, you know, even though they're undefeated, they're not that great anyhow. They're they're How about the Patriots? How about the Patriots almost beat them? Should have yep. beat them. Yep. At the one foot line. The Patriots suck. Yeah. I mean that you know, everyone's like, I thought, oh wow, Cam's gonna be a monster this year. Look how good he looks. 
but maybe that wasn't the correct takeaway. Maybe the correct takeaway was anybody can uh, can go crazy against the Pat, against the Seahawks. Yeah, I guess so because boy, they they haven't shown it since then. And the, the week after, they just ran the ball a ton against the Raiders. So we're like, okay, it's just Belichick game planning. All right, fine. Uh, then they had COVID, um, and they, they, I, I, that Chiefs game was just a giant anomaly. Uh, and then they the, the following week, okay, fine. They had one day of practice. What's the excuse this week? I mean, the Niners are good, but they're not world well, beaters. My, my excuse is that, well, the Niners, though, are really good when they're good. Yeah. But that, another strange team that, you know, they killed the Giants and Jets. Okay, those teams suck. But those road games with no, you know, down a lot of players killed them. Then they get beat by the Eagles at home. Eagles are pretty bad. And then the, you know, the Giants should have beat the Eagles. They're up 21-10 with four minutes left. Yeah. And then the Dolphins just kill them in their own building. And you're like, wow, the Niners kind of suck. Yeah. <laughs> Go into New England and just annihilate them. Now we're like, oh, the Patriots kind of suck. But my excuse for the Patriots would be that Cam signed late. He doesn't know the system that well. There was no real full training camp. Uh, so him getting COVID. So remember the team had to miss, but he missed even more because that Hoyer game cam was already like missing practice and already, you know, quarantined. Right. So he's missed even more practice. And so he's the one who needed it the most because he's still as the quarterback picking up the offense and doing all that kind of stuff. So he just looked crappy though. His arm looked like Eli Manning thrown in the ground, like missing open guys. And just, he just, he just didn't look sharp. Yeah, and let's face it though, they also their their team their receivers are terrible. I mean, oh, don't tell Ted Bell that he's going to say they're so talented. Their receivers are terrible. They are the worst receiving core in the NFL. Julian Edelman's thirty four and playing hurt. Nikhil Harry, I think he got hurt also. Is just terrible. He never makes a play. And then Demir Bird and like uh, Jacoby Myers. Who are these guys? Right, right. And, you know, Nikhil Harry went in the concussion protocol early uh, in that game. It might have helped a little bit. They have one, the receivers have one touchdown and eight interceptions when they're targeted. Think about that. Yeah, they're terrible. And then James White missed a couple of weeks, and then you know who they tried now like Burkhead and James White and Nikhil Harry. It's just such a like low octane offense. It's yeah. so low octane. There's just no playmakers on that team and cam can i mean their defense would have to be like you know the 2000 ravens and let cam just sort of caretake make plays with his legs and then like edelman catch a seven yard pass and then harry box people out because he's pretty big that it's just that you know that maybe damon harris looked all right he showed a spark that that one week and uh beast head is is useful in a utility role i mean they're all okay but yeah, if Cam unless Cam's playing really well, the offense isn't going to go anywhere. Yeah, they, they the tight ends they drafted none of them have made an impact at all. And granted, rookie tight ends rarely make an impact, but the opportunity is there. And there's just when Ryan Izzo is your leading tight end with 12 catches and 90 yards, you know, it, it, it's ugly. It's ugly all around. So yeah, I don't know, man. Looking at them, they're gonna, you know, I. I, I've written out my matchups so I won't get spoiled on guest lines. I'm going to do it before the Monday night game this week, just just so I can watch the Scott Van Pelt Sports Center and not be spoiled on the lines. But right. the Pats are going to be they're going to be underdogs against Buffalo this week. I'm pretty sure of that. Where's the game? Buffalo. Looked. Oh, they'll be getting like six maybe. But Buffalo looks like crap too. Yeah. 
It's going to be inter- – yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I just made that up. Maybe five, I'm going to think about it, but like maybe four. Who knows? But Buffalo got killed by Tennessee, showed they were outclassed. They got killed by the Chiefs, got totally outclassed. Like they were 4-0. It was like, oh, maybe Buffalo's in the same class as the Chiefs and the Titans. It was like, oh, no, they're not. Right. And then – uh, they didn't get killed by the Chiefs, but they got soundly beaten. Uh, then they out- got, got outgained two to one. Yeah, they got yeah, killed okay. by them. They got killed, and then the uh, the Jets were like toe to toe with them basically the whole game. I mean, I, it, they pulled away. Like, well, toe to toe is you know they had four offensive yards. They didn't they go. Did. <laughs> but a, a touchdown, a two point conversion on the last. That's one big ass game. toe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, you know, the thing is, the, but the bills are off right now and I know they're missing John Brown. They're not getting much out of the running game, but they had eight field goal attempts. That's just one. Yeah. That's not going to hold. You, you got to be right. able to finish. Yeah. Especially against the jets. Yeah. Who they blew out the first time too. I'm going to, you know, I, I, I did get some pushback last week uh, saying, hey, you need to downgrade Josh Allen after how he looked the last couple of weeks. It's like, well, you know what? They're facing the Jets, so not so fast. Now I'm going to have to. I don't know how oh, long I'm going to have to push him. The season long. I have him below uh, Justin Herbert. I have him. I mean, he's still good. He's still going to get the rushing floor, and, and he at least has established that he's a, a real passer now. He's not like just a running quarterback who occasionally throws he's graduated into he can throw when he needs to. Okay. And maybe John Brown is better than we think. Cole Beasley had a big game and cause they kind of like took away digs a little bit. And then, but maybe having that third guy who's really good and, you know, connected with the quarterback is, is kind of important to them. They also had a tight end COVID outbreak. They had one healthy tight end, Tyler Croft, Dawson Knox, and like two other active tight ends were all, you know, Knox was positive. And then the other, like two other, like other guys were scratched because they were in close contact with them. The only reason Tyler Croft wasn't was because he was on paternity, like he and his wife was having a baby. So he was with her on the day that he got diagnosed or whatever. Um, so that, I guess that might take away some of your options, your blocking options, takes away some of the running lanes, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but still, it, 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 it's, not what you expect. They won, and that's about all you can say. They did not cover. The Jets covered. Rufus lives. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. Saints didn't cover, though. I had the Saints. Oh. I had the Jets and the Saints. The Saints, you know, they were lucky to win. I mean, Joey Sly, 65-yard attempt, falls a couple yards short. I was rooting for it even just because it would have been cool, though I did have the Saints in my as my survivor pick. But the Saints, I still kind of think the Saints are good, but they just – they just allow more points than a good team, a good defense should. And you know, yeah. the Panthers are okay, but you were talking about on the show that Lattimore got beat pretty easily. And usually he doesn't. And, uh, you know, Teddy Bridgewater looked good to me. That was a takeaway I had from that game. I watched a lot of that game. He and, pulls it uh, down and scrambles a little too much for my liking. And he's not fast enough fast. to be able to yeah. do that. Uh, but that's also probably a function of the offensive line. Maybe not giving him enough time, but he, he, he feels like to me, he can't, make the play and then throw, you know, he can't buy the time and then throw where if he pulls it down, he's going, uh, that's the way I see it. Well, I saw, he made some great throws under pressure on the run. Did like, he? Okay. He, he was, so I'll yeah, have to, I haven't rewatched nine, that game. 9.1 YPA, two touchdowns, no picks and made some tough throws and under duress. And there was, there was duress. Like he, he was getting rushed a decent amount. And, uh, you know, they took away the run game entirely. So he had no, mm-hmm. you know, he, he didn't have the cushion of that. He was just throwing the ball and, and kept them close. He, 
he looked pretty good to me. I mean, kind of good like in the Mayfield way where he can make some plays and move around, but he's not a good enough athlete to right. really scare you, you know? And, and then if you're not an athlete, if you're like Mayfield or Bridgewater, you know, they're not like statues, but they're not athletic. If you're like those guys, you better be like Tom Brady good in the pocket or Drew Brees good, you know, cause that's, you're, you're giving away a huge advantage in the modern NFL. That's true. That's true. Uh, speaking of Drew Brees, he take away his top two receivers Still moves the ball pretty well, I thought, all things considered. Uh, you know, it was, it was annoying that uh, Cam- Kamara got a touchdown pulled away from him. Then, uh, you know, it, other people just jumped in. Uh, but, like, it was Callaway. It was Harris. You know, it, it was Jared Cook getting a touchdown. Um, you know, it, it, they got by. And they're only they're four and two still, game behind the Bucks, and they beat the Bucks. The Bucks are still the class of the division, plus 80 in their scoring so far this year. They look really tough. Well, what they did to Green Bay was pretty big. That was yeah. a big win. And then going into Oakland on the road, which Oakland just beat the Chiefs in Kansas City, you know, before the bye. That's flexing some muscle. And also, like, their loss was to the Saints. Mm-hmm. And that was early. They almost lost to the Chargers, and we we're like, oh, the Bucks are a fraud. But then we realized, oh, Justin Herbert is legit. So right. it doesn't look quite as bad. And they're they look good and brady's now you know they're gonna get antonio brown brady's got so many weapons he looks good fournette and ronald jones both look good but i wish it were just ronald jones and it's uh yeah they they're one of the favorites man it's like it's like them in the nfc they're probably the favorite in the afc chiefs and titans and ravens those three teams probably still the not the steelers i put them fourth even though they're the only undefeated team left in the nfl the Titans were better. Ben in that second half when the Titans made their run could not convert uh, any drives. That's why the Titans came back. They kept having to punt or they had turnover and, you know, Juju's getting all these targets and even Deontay Johnson who got two touchdowns at all these targets, but it was all dink and dunk. There was one 28 yard play to Juju, but most of the eight dot is like right around the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So it wasn't, I don't know if the Titans did that on purpose and Vrabel set it up so that they had to do that, but they stifled them in the second half and the Steelers could have put that game away if they had just scored more, or got some first downs, but they couldn't do it. So, uh, I, I, I don't think the Steelers defense is really good, but offense is more important. So I'd agree with I'll that. Put them, I'll put them forth. They should have t- targeted Claypool more. And then my ranking was not, my ranking on Claypool wouldn't have been they so bad. They should have done that, Jeff. Maybe they'll learn their lesson for having almost lost. Yeah. I'll teach them. Because my ranking is way more important than their uh, their result, that's for sure. They they care about that. They do. They clearly do. I'll talk to Tim Benz, my Thursday radio guy from Pittsburgh, about that. But uh, we'll see what we can get in place. I'm looking at the standings right now. The NFC East. Every team in the in the division has a negative thirty plus differential. Every team in the NFC West is plus thirty one or better. Uh, just interesting, and they and some of that's against each other too. Uh, the Eagles, they still make mistakes. I mean, the, the Giants were right in that game Thursday night until the what very do you mean, end. Right in it, they were up twenty-one to ten. They weren't in the game. They had it won. I know. Just, Evan Ingram holds on to the ball. Uh, it's Evan all Ingram's, over. Don't get me started, Evan Ingram. How bad of a football player, Evan? What a Ingram. drop! I mean, what a horrible it's not just drop! A drop on, on the interception, and I saw the the next day one, so I'm not sure exactly what happened, but it was it hit it it tipped off of Ingram the interception. There was another interception earlier in the year where Ingram didn't like break back for the ball that hard. No. He's always hurt. He's always like, he's not a good blocker. 
But the point I'm talking about is the third down play in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they get a first down. They sit. They run out the clock. It's over. In Game's territory. entirely yeah. over. I know. He just dropped it on the sideline. Ah, oh, brutal. He's terrible. I've to, I've told people that for the last. I'm like this guy. Just you know. I saw two leagues where he got spite dropped. I don't know. They must have had him on their bench because usually you can't drop a guy that's already played. But right. I saw him get dropped in two leagues, like on Friday. It was like, right. I've had enough. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, he sucks. I, he, he's just not a good football player. You know, it, it's just you, you can have all the athleticism in the world. I'm learning this. Like, I, I just assume all these guys are really good at football. And then you'd have this, like, advantage by size and speed. Like, you know, if you were big and fast and powerful – your, you know, it'd be like DK Metcalf. They're like, oh, he, he's not agile in the combine. So we were going to let him fall to the end of the second round. And I'm like, no, if this guy can just like run around and catch a pass, he's just too much of a beast for any of the defenders to handle it. But I'm kind of finding out that's the exception, right? That DK Metcalf, even though he's not like laterally agile, at least according to the combine metrics, uh, probably is a really good football player. Like he, he just knows what he's doing. Whereas the Evan Ingrams of the world that have sort of the Metcalf-esque freak size speed combo aren't good football players. Then you have so many receivers these days instead, you know, it used to be Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, you know, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, Andre Johnson. These just total uh, specimens were the, were the class of the league. But nowadays it's like Deandre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Devonte Adams, Keenan Allen. Yeah. These guys are like technicians, route runners, and they're, you know, they're not really fast. They don't make a lot of huge plays down the field. The Hopkins made one last night, but it's rare. Um, they, uh, they're not like so physical. I mean, Devonta Adams is pretty stout. He's like six one two fifteen, but he's not like, you know, he's not a monster like Metcalf. Um, but these guys are the, they have football skill. They don't have that like right freak athleticism, but they have football skill. And you know, I want obviously both if I can. Someone who can break open a game like Odell Beckham. The problem with Odell Beckham is he's like a sports car. He's too fragile. He just can't. In the last few years, it's just he couldn't, you know, first few years he was great. But I, I want a guy who can break the game open, Tyreek Hill, you know, someone like that, peak Antonio Brown. But uh, but the truth is, like, these sort of football technician guys have taken over as the, the type, the style of preference among the you know, top 15 or 20 receivers in the league. Isn't that why Moss and Owens were unicorns though? I mean, because they had it all. They had the size, the speed and the talent. Yeah. Calvin Johnson, Andre Johnson, you know, there were a bunch of them. Uh, And, but that was, those are the guys who took over, you know, like those were the, who was the number one receiver every year was Calvin Johnson or Andre Johnson for like five years. Right. And then Beckham came in the league after that. And he was an Antonio Brown. So you had this small, they, they, they changed up the rules of what DBs could do. And now like the guy who was small and quick and could change directions on a dime, but also take it to the house um, was unstoppable. Cause you couldn't, you couldn't knock him off his route. I mean, they were calling much more stuff. You couldn't grab, grab and clutch as much, but now it's not even those guys. I mean, there are some of those guys still like Stefan Diggs is kind of one of those guys. And there's, there's still good players like that, but you know, Tyler Lockett, Tyree kill, but the prototype number one receiver now is this dude who's like 6'2", 210, and runs a four five five. One runs a four five at best, mm-hmm. but has incredible hands. Knows you know it's on the same page as his QB, and knows how to run a route. And they they're not like that efficient on a per play basis, but they just make all the catches. Michael Thomas, you know, Hopkins, yeah, Keenan Allen. 
Devonte Adams. Robert Woods is like the poor man's version of that. You know, he's sort of like that. Right. To your point about Hopkins, I saw him. You know, he got wide open on a play and got tracked down by a linebacker. Yeah. No, he's slow. He's not. He ran like a four-five something, and he's. You know, that was at the combine six, seven years ago. I mean, he's he's not fast. Right. Not definitely not as fast as uh, some of those out there. That's for sure. Not not wide receiver fast. That's that's for no, sure. It was not. You know, DK Metcalf is fast. Terry right. McLaurin is fast. Those are, you know, those are the AJ Brown is only like a four four nine. Although the combine's on everything, AJ Brown is so thick that when he catches one of those slants, it looks like a tight end. And then you're like, okay, he caught a slant, he's going to get tackled. Then all of a sudden, he starts running away from the defense, and you're like, oh, he's going to. They're not going to catch him on this play. Oh yeah, that like, play against the Steelers yesterday. Whew. Man, he took one step, and you're like, oh, he's gone. He's yeah, gone. But he, he looks slow because he looks like a tight end because he's so thick. I mean, he's yep. like 230. But they weren't gaining. Yeah, the cra- they were not gaining at all on they him. Were that's not for sure. well, how about Danny Dimes outrunning those DBs and just tripped? Yeah. He just couldn't outrun the 15-yard line. Yeah, it was a 20-yard line that he tripped on. Yeah. 20s, you know, there was a little uh, tripwire there. But Danny Dimes, his speed was the 15th highest speed of any ball carrier in the NFL this year. I know. Faster than Tyreek Hill's fastest. I know. It's crazy. And, you know, the weird part about that play was – how wide open it was like, Oh yeah. He just did a bootleg and he was gone. Yeah. It was like, what, what, what happened here? I mean, did everyone bought the fake? It was crazy. Was one guy who's probably supposed to be there just in case and didn't do his job. Yeah. And there, and you could see him just looking around and all that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I was impressed with the Packers yesterday. I was impressed with, uh, you know, playing without Jones, playing without one of their starting offense alignment. Uh, they just came in and just, throttled him right away and you know the, both sides of the ball now bradley roby got hurt early for houston and i think that was a pretty big deal uh but it doesn't explain houston's problems on offense they i was really disappointed there because they had been rolling the last couple of weeks there's no coherence to the offense it's it's deshaun watson running around and slinging it to a bunch of different guys none of whom were all of whom were okay none of whom were great yep. you know will fuller's kind of shows up goes away cooks is good and quick um cobb is a nice nifty slot type of guy but there's nobody that you're like oh we got to stop this guy and then david johnson's just a guy at this point duke johnson may get more work eventually but who knows they're just there's no you know cohesion it just seems like they're a little bit like the cardinals like it's just this herky jerky sort of slinging around there's no like rhythm to the offense where they're just kind of driving down the field, moving yeah. the chains like a like a good Chiefs drive, you know, set up by Andy Reid. Because the runs always suck. Every time they yeah. run the ball in the middle of the middle of the pile, it just doesn't do anything, and they do it way too often. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I I think you know I think the running game is important because you can't have your passer get killed. Right, and you need the defense to honor it. Maybe you do it a third of the time or whatever, at least, you know, third to a half. And passing is a half to two thirds, probably. You know, that's a pretty wide range, but that's mm-hmm. the range, right? And and but that it, you know since you do have to run it a decent amount, the, the success rate of those runs is important. Like yeah. to get a success rate that's high, so it's second and five, second and four, uh, and and you're smashing into them, and, and your offensive line's attacking the defensive line and wearing them down. I think that's a big difference from second and eight. I mean, just think of the you know we know this from from baseball, right? If it counts one and two or zero oh and two batters in a hole the ops in those counts is way worse than when it's two and one three and one two and oh it's way better and i'm sure it's the same thing when it's second and nine 
you know, third and 11, it's terrible, right? The, the, the YPA and the success rate, whereas if it's third and two or second and five, the whole playbook's open. And I I think it's probably the same thing. And so we we might look at like, I don't don't know how they measure when they say, oh, the running back. Well, there's two things. Running backs don't matter, which is individual backs. And then the second claim would be running game doesn't matter. In other words, um, running play success. And I, I mean, running play success has to matter. I agree. Regardless if you think, you know, what you think about individual backs. I also think the individual back matters, but the running game includes the offensive line and and all of that. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I, you don't have to establish the run to establish the pass. You don't have to do that. Just some semblance of balance is what we're looking for here. Uh, It makes play action all that much more effective. If you throw the ball on first down every time, they're not going to buy the play action. Why you don't bother doing it. It doesn't hold the linebackers, but if you have some credibility with the running game, just a little bit, it'll help. Uh, so, yeah. Well, I, I, I'll give you a good, you know, there's a thing called Wittgenstein's rule of Wittgenstein. Ludwig Wittgenstein was a philosopher. And he said that if you have a ruler that's measuring something, be sh- you, the thing that you're measuring is also measuring the ruler. Mm-hmm. So if I have a ruler that's a foot long and uh, they're not going to take this to any uh, place that it shouldn't go, and uh, you're measuring something, you know, that should you know not be that big. I'm really not trying to take this anywhere. You'll be like, wait, this is the wrong measurement. The ruler's broken. Like the the, the gradations of the ruler are wrong. Um, so the thing measures the ruler also. So if you have a model that says the you know never run, it doesn't make sense, or the running game is is totally stupid, and then you have six-time Super Bowl winner, not including the Giant Super Bowls, Bill Belichick running the ball some games like seventy percent of the time, some games. 10, 20% of the time, but, you know, often running a lot and drafting running backs, you might want to check the ruler. Yep. You know, you might want to say, uh, I'm not saying that Belichick, the argument from authority that no matter what he does is right. But if you're just some dude building a model on Excel or so even, you know, in a more c- complex model in a programming language, and it says this thing that the smartest people who actually have the most skin in the game are doing do not agree with it all. None of them, not a, not one. Maybe you're some super genius that's figured out something that, you know, it's possible, right? But we don't want to, again, just have the argument from authority, but it may be that your model's missing some real life, not data, but experience Right. where these guys, it's like, Oh, you're telling me you should, you know, they run, you should run 10% of the time or 20% or that, you know, running backs don't matter. And yet everybody else you know, Dobbins gets drafted. Sony Michelle gets drafted. I'm not saying those two guys are good picks. You can pick bad picks from any, and we don't know about Dobbins yet. But uh, it's sort of like the best in the game are doing this. You know, Andy Reid takes CEH. Belichick, Belichick takes Sony Michelle. Uh, you know, Harbaugh takes Dobbins. It's not like Adam Gaze is out there doing these deci- making these decisions, right. right? It's not like Adam Gaze is the guy, only guy taking running backs. And so, of course, of course, look, you know, it's – you have to come up with a something that explains why they wouldn't understand it when they're looking for every possible edge. When the when the Ravens are very advanced in their analytics and, and doing things that are sort of cutting edge, right? Um, it, so the, the whole thing is just so. I don't know why I'm banging this drum so much on this podcast, but I just I, I keep thinking about it, and it's just like it's so stupid, like the, the line of reasoning. But right. it's a good thing that the concept of Wittgenstein's ruler, where it's like if what you're measuring. You're like, oh, my, my calculations say this, and they must be right. doesn't comport. The thing is also measuring you. 
The, the thing you're, right. the data is also measuring the model. The model's not just measuring the data. If you come up with a theory that says, you know, Ronald Cunha should go in the fourth round next year, maybe you want to rethink your model. You know, maybe the, it, the result is also measuring the model. It's, it's like the uh, system that said that Ryan Tannehill was the most valuable player in that Pats Titans game. Yes. yes. You know, right. you better check, you know, <laughs> you're not, your model somehow seems to be broken. You know, it yeah. just, right. But anyway, and, and, and it's just it's just a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah, uh, it's funny you mentioned the Pats, and then you know Belichick. We were talking about the, all the problems New England's having. Contrast that with Tampa Bay. You know the you know who you know we don't necessarily want to say okay who made well, who? It, was, it was Brady not Belichick. It might be. It look, looks pretty good, and now they're adding Antonio Brown, uh, which. I don't know how that's going to work, but it's just one more talented player. It makes it a nightmare for fantasy, but it's pretty darn good if you're a Bucks fan. Yeah, it's cool. I actually have a bet with Dalton. I bet on the Bucks versus the Patriots. And when Cam got signed, I was like, ah, oh, damn it. Like, I bet when Stidham was going to be the quarterback. Right, right. Dalton was foolish enough to bet on Jared Stidham Patriots over the Bucks. So I said, okay, I'll take that bet. And then he was talking Yang about it in addition, which is just uh, horrible. But then they signed Cam, and I was like, "Oh, I'm going to get screwed because they're, you know, the win total just went up one or something when they got Cam." And then after the Seattle game, I was like, "Uh oh, Cam looks like he's completely healthy and great. I'm going to get screwed on this." And the Bucks had lost to the Saints, looked pretty bad. Brady didn't look that good. But now I'm feeling. I mean, don't don't ever uh, you know count your chickens when you're going against Belichick, who makes the adjustments. But still, uh, that you know, the Bucks look like a almost a shoe in to be better than the Pats. Right. All right. Uh, is this the end of the uh, Pats reign in the AFC East? Does Buffalo take it this year? They got a two game lead and they're playing each other this week. Well, don't don't sleep on another uh, team in that division. Miami, uh, Tua. Yeah. Making yeah, his debut knows? this week. I'm excited Buffalo's about that. Not that good. Buffalo is like a nine win team, I think. You know, the yeah. defense hasn't looked. I know Tredavis White was out for a bit, but they're, uh, the Buffalo has a negative point differential right now. You know that? They're minus four. That's crazy. So the Dolphins are plus 47, and a lot of that 47 came in San Francisco. That's true. So, I mean, the Dolphins right now are probably the better team, you know, or at least, you know, close to it. We'll see what two it brings. Maybe really good right away. And then never sleep on the Pats, right? Because they're going to play twice. Right. So that's right there. That can even it up. We just know what team is definitely not going to win. We just know that there's one team not going to win. Yeah. Minus 118 so far for the Jets. That's crazy. Uh, We'll finish out with another news item. Uh, Kenyon Drake uh, has been diagnosed with uh, torn ligaments in his ankle. He'll miss at least a few weeks. They're on by this upcoming week, but it is totally Chase Edmonds' season. Uh, and Edmonds is the better looking back, though, too. I mean, it's just, you know, Drake had another hideous drop uh, in the passing game. He's just slower. He takes a while. Edmonds just goes. It, it's, it, you yeah. can tell it's a big difference. So. Remember in draft season, like people had Drake, you know, end of first, early second. And it was like, well, I mean, look how good he was in the second half last year. And it looks a little like the Amos zero way or even worse, Kevin Barlow syndrome where you're really fresh. He wasn't used much in Miami. He goes fresh in the second half. It's a small sample. He has four touchdowns in one game against a weak opponent. Overall stats look great. And then, oh, well, now you're the feature back the whole year, starting week one. And... And then he got himself hurt in training camp too. And I don't think he was ever really a hundred percent, but that doesn't, I mean, it's done now. I mean, yeah, it's tough, you know, and we're, we're almost like, you know, in the last week, you know, he had the, the big run against the Cowboys late and they gave up on the play. It's like, Hey, 
no one really thought he's fixed, but they're like, well, okay, that cements that he's going to get the job for a while. And he did, really. He was the guy. Um, but that now this happens, and you could just see the difference. It was night and day. Edmonds was the better back. But yeah, we'll see what happens now with Edmonds, if he's Amos Zeroway or if he's actually like Arian Foster stepping in. Right. I mean, sometimes they are. Sometimes Edmonds has always kind of been good as like a fill-in. Yeah. But yeah, it's a whole different thing. Kevin Barlow was great as a fill-in to Garrison Hurst, and then I think it was Garrison Hurst. I could be wrong on who that was. But anyway, then he get the start, and that was the end of that. It was. Uh, what are you working on for East Coast offense this week? I don't know. I was going to write about all the misery in detail, but I kind of did that already in my uh, observations because I, the reason I didn't want to do it, but I just couldn't write about the games without getting it off my chest. I felt right. so like just disgusted with the, I, I just didn't want to think about football, but it's my job. So I have to do it. Mm-hmm. So I had to like bring myself into a state of mind to do it. So I just had to like dump it. So that was going to be East coast offense. And now I'm not exactly sure. I might, I don't know. I'll, I'll make up something. I was thinking about just the idea of this, which is that, um, you know how things are nonlinear, right? Like, yeah. you know, if you're like, well, things like not everything just, is like incremental linear so that like if you're going against like an average defense and then you go against like a 60th percentile defense like okay it might be a little harder but a 70th percentile might be it might be like an earthquake where that's like right twice as hard and then the 80th percentile is twice as hard as that and the 90th percentile is five times harder than that and if you go against like the top defense in the history of the league it's like a hundred times worse than the tougher than the 60th you know i don't know exactly and so we have all these metrics where we kind of just um, you know, we just kind of were like, all right, well, tougher defense, they allow X per play or, or just think of it this way, which uh, this might be too complex for me to express, but you need 10 yards for a first down, right? So if a defense allows like on average, like 4.8 yards per play, which is elite versus like six yards per play, which is bad. Um, the amount of times when that's your average play, they get a first down it, at a certain point. It, it, it's not just like a little bit less. It's like, no, that average makes it so that like the chances of driving down the field go from like 70% or 80% to get a touchdown or field goal to like 20% because you just can't string together enough first downs with like a certain per play to get to the 10 yards. I'm not, and it's probably not linear. It's not just like it goes down. It it might like drop significantly when you get below a certain average, right? Suddenly it's like almost impossible to string together three first downs. Right. And that's, uh, you know, what you need to get to a field goal on average starting position. So just little things like that, that I feel like we don't really, we just kind of look everything sort of our presumption is like, you know, better is better. Worse is worse rather than it's exponentially better, exponentially worse. And it may skew a lot of our understanding about matchups and things. I don't know. It's I probably, it's probably too much of just an idea. That was something I'm thinking. I don't know. I'm going to make something up. All right. I look forward to it regardless. So it should be good. Uh, we got the value meter tomorrow. We got uh, free agents from Kevin Payne. Uh, we've got the free agent podcast tomorrow with J- Jake Latarski, Joe Bartle. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Chris and I will be back at you next Monday. Take care.